0: Happy Thanksgiving! <laughs> gobble gobble. Echo Church, this is your place, your people, and your purpose. And we want to help you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find community and support that you've been hoping for. We know you've been hoping for it. <laughs> so, let us know that you're out there. Please reach out to us at hey at we are the echo dot church today, and we'd love to help. And it's official! We are in the holiday season. It's is the season to do life together. That's right. Please make traditions with us this year in person and invite a friend to join. Yeah, and in a few weeks we're going to have Build a Bag, which is Be the Church Sunday. Let's not just listen to the message, but let's be the message that week when we pack hundreds of bags. Hundreds of bags. How many hundreds do you think? Maybe 300. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of hundreds. (laughs) It's going to be full of necessities and joy for people in need. That's right. Then we have Christmas with the Prams. Love the They're amazing. You'll want to be here in person for that. And we have three Christmas Eve services, epic evening, remembering Jesus is coming to earth. And we will end this year with a church family favorite called Sweatpants Sunday. Sweatpants Sunday. A little twist. There's a twist. <laughs> Don't, Don't miss, it. miss it. Don't miss it. Yes. And thank you for your continued willingness to give and offering more. If you are looking to give today, you can do so by giving online on our website or text any amount to 84321. I'm just going to text that right now. Do it right now. And, and enjoy Echo Sunday online service. Let's do it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. When darkness
1: tries to roll over my bone
2: When sorrow comes to steal the joy out When brokenness and pain
1: all i know but well, i won't be shaking no i won't be shaking
2: Relationships to rise up in our trust to rise up in the confidence that if we give, we give even when we don't have anything or we have a little that we might be blessed with more. And as we sing this next song, be present and help us remember how we can give and by giving we receive.
3: scripture in Matthew 5 that we have hanging in our living room that I read every single day and I want to share it with you today. It says tell me why you are here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out God." flavors and God colors to the world God is not a secret to be kept we're going public with this as public as a city on a hill or a building on Broadway if you if I make you light bearers you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket do you I'm putting you on a light stand now that I've put you there on the hilltop or on Broadway on a light stand shine says keep open house be generous with your lives By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God. You are godly people. You have God flavors. You are called. And I just want to pray over you today as we enter in to Andy's message and just for us to receive what he is sharing through God, all right? Let's just close our eyes. You can open your hands if you feel comfortable just as a surrender and an act of positioning yourself before God. God, we come to you right now and I thank you for bringing us here today. God, I pray right now that we can lay down things that are not of you, the flavors that are not of you, whether it's anger, bitterness, hurt, pain, sadness or depression, God, anxiety. God, I pray right now that you will will take those and you will replace them with joy, love, faithfulness, self-control, patience. God, let us position our lives before you where we can live open-handed. God, let us be a light. God, if our if our light is hidden, I pray that you will take it underneath that bucket and you will show us how to light our steps. God, I pray right now that you are here. We acknowledge your presence. I pray for every single person in this room. God, I pray for purpose. We declare your glory today. God, give us the inner fight to fight every single day. And I just pray right now that this is a season of us stepping out, that we look back a year from now and see how you showed up. God, I pray that we can be stretched and molded, God. And I just pray for the people in this room who are stuck, who are feeling like they can't do it, God. I just pray right now that they will feel that they are sufficient because of you. And I just lift up you today, God. Thank you for being a God who never gives up. Thank you for being a God who calls us by name and calls out our story and calls out our giftings, God. And I just pray right now for every single person, God, that it is a beautiful flavor that you bring when we are a community of believers coming together week after week, and we just lift this up in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Echo Church. How are you?
4: Good. Everybody, look at your neighbor and say, you're a container. (laughs) <laughs> you're like me. that's the worst thing that's ever been told to me well let me say it like this how about this uh everybody look at your neighbor and say you are a vessel a a vessel uh how about this one how about this we are conduits everybody say conduits uh i want to tell you today that god desires to flow through you God wants to desire, God desires to flow through you, but, but I believe a lot of times we have a limited impact, uh, and we kind of clog up those vessels and those conduits um, because of two, two reasons. I believe, uh, and here are the two reasons why, uh, and there's more, but, but I think two that I want to talk about today is... We aren't as, as good of a vessel or a container or, or uh, whatever you want to call yourself this morning, a conduit, because of how we handle our financial order and how we have put ourselves in debt. I really hear your neighbor and say, I am a vessel. Yeah, you guys aren't as excited about this conversation now. I can just feel it. Feel it. But uh, last week at the end of the message, I had dropped this scripture in, uh, which is our, our scripture, uh, our thematic scripture through this Test Me series. And I want to read it again. And then honestly, I just want to take a few moments to teach you about the tithe. Now, some of you are sitting in this room and you're completely aware of what the tithe is. You grew up in the church, but I have to tell you, many of us in the room, we didn't grow up in the church. In fact, we don't even know what the tithe mean. And we don't don't wanna ask anybody what it means because we might look dumb. Which is OK, and there's so many people coming and in, uh, in different faith uh, faith maybe you're different parts of your faith journey. and I want to equip you and help you understand some of these Christianese type of terms that we use that we think everybody knows, but actually most people don't really know about it. And so uh, let's go ahead and just read Malachi 3 verse eight. We have it on screen for you. It says, "Will mere, mere mortal? Would, would a, will a mere mortal rob God?" Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you have been robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. This is the only part of scripture where God looks at his people and says, test me in this. Test me in this area of your life says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough to store it. Now, this is where we, we, we kind of start talking about the tithe. This is one of those references of the tithe. And, and my hope uh, today is to, to, to kind of give you a, a, what we call a, a formative type of test. It's to test... Uh, to test you in whether or not you truly understand the knowledge that's been given to you. And let me say it like this. Actually, I'm hoping for this group that that this isn't just something we take in as knowledge, but we we begin to apply it as knowledge, which is wisdom. Applied knowledge is wisdom. And so today, like I said, I want to teach on the tithe. Uh, and and I'm gonna reference a few other scriptures here in a moment, but let me just tell you about what the tithe is. The tithe is in in the Hebrew just means a 10th. It's just a 10th. It's 10% of your income and where we find it first is, is in, in Genesis where Abraham has just gone to war and, and the Lord helps him be victorious in war and, and he takes the plunder and, and, and he's, he's going to go back to his home. But on his way, on, way home, he actually kind of runs into the city called Salem, which is known as Jerusalem down the road. And, uh, and he runs into this priest king named Melchizedek. And his response of victory and his response of that additional income and that, that, that blessing that the Lord had given uh, Abraham was to give 10% of everything he had to Melchizedek, the priest. And that's where the 10th really began. And, and, I, and again, I don't, I don't have a lot of time to talk more about that story, but really that is the beginning of the 10th, the concept of giving 10% of your income to the local church, to the synagogue, to the temple. And and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, what's interesting is that's where it started. And at the end of the Old Testament, where it kind of ends just before Jesus comes onto the scene is the last chronological book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book. It's the last mention of the tithe in the Old Testament. And, and, By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God reminds his people of what we just read. So from the beginning is Abraham and Melchizedek, and at the end, the people had, and I had mentioned this last week, they had grown a custom of taking from the community versus investing into it. And God goes ahead and challenges in that, and that's really the history of the Old Testament of uh, Old Testament reference or the history of the tithe according to it. Well, let's go ahead and fast forward 2,000 years. I mean, what is the tithe now? You know, where, where well, let me, let me actually just rewind a little bit before we go 2,000 years uh, to us here. But when Jesus comes onto the scene, he, and interesting enough, he never really speaks about the tithe. He never, well, let me just say it like this. He makes reference to the tithe, but he never really teaches on the tithe. And I'm gonna try to unpack that uh, for some of us today because I think some of us, we come in here and, and we have, I know there's, very, there's a variance of opinion that walk in here and, and what the tithe is and what it isn't and whether we should or whether we shouldn't. And, and today I wanna go ahead and just make this biblical uh, uh, argument uh, in front of you about how Jesus In these two references in Matthew, begin to present how we are to live within uh, the Old Testament uh, requirements when it comes to the tithe and being generous people. Let me frame up these two scriptures, though. To frame up these two scriptures, you have to understand that Jesus interacts with a local synagogue, and then he eventually also interacts with the temple in Jerusalem. Now, what is the temple and the synagogue of Jesus's day? It's, It's the equivalent of the local church today. It's the equivalent of what I'd even call the high church and the local church. Jesus is interacting with the faith communities within two different cities, and that's what we're gonna read about today. How does he interact with those two entities within the city so open up your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. And this is what it says. It says, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the, true, the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Okay, so what's happening is Jesus enters into Capernaum. He's going to go into this synagogue, which again is the local church. It's a smaller type of uh, building that is, has been uh, constructed in Capernaum uh, for the teaching and the supporting role of the community when it comes to the Jewish faith. And Jesus enters into that little context. And as he's entering into it, he has people coming up to Peter, his disciple, and asking, hey, are you going to pay the tax? Are you going to pay what is due? And, And in verse 25, Jesus says, yes, or actually Peter says, yes, he does. And then what we find out, Jesus um, and again, I don't want to go into this in too much detail, but I think it's worth noting. And I think it's, no, it's, it's worth um, mentioning with what Echo High is doing today. What happens, there's just a little short excerpt between 25 and 26, where Jesus has this discussion with Peter about who pays taxes and then making reference to the children and how the children don't need to pay the taxes. And so then they come up to this conclusion that says, Peter and Jesus are the ones that are going to actually pay the taxes because all the other disciples are children. You hearing that? I don't want you to miss that. I know I probably said that in a really confusing way, but I want you to hear this, that everybody that was with Jesus didn't have to pay the tax that was due Peter and also Jesus because they were all children. Echo High, I don't want to downplay your importance in the kingdom of God and how Jesus isn't looking to us old people to come and lead the way, but he's asking for you to step up and be the children. Oh, by the way, the future adults that God has called you to be. Jesus says to Peter, says to him, but so that we may not cause offense, that we may not be a stumbling block in paying this tax or not paying the tax. Go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth and you will find the four drachma coin. (laughs) What an odd story. I mean, who doesn't want to go fish and then be able to also make some money at it? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that would just be awesome. And, and the story is this, is, is Jesus walks into the, into the local synagogue, the local church, and, there, and then he's, he's, he's asked, are you going to pay the tax? Are you going to go pay what is due? And, the, and Peter, him being of age, they, they want to respond accordingly. And he explains to Peter, go get the fish, pull out the coin, and then take it and give it to them for my tax and also yours. What am I trying to tell you in this scripture? Jesus paid what was due. Now, some of you, you've never looked at this scripture like this, but this is what I'm proposing. If there was ever a moment in the New Testament or in Jesus's teaching for him to eliminate the teaching of the Old Testament, this was his opportunity. Jesus at this very moment could have looked at his disciples. He could have looked at the the formation of the the religious society and the context in which he was entering and say, you know what, that doesn't apply to me. But guess what? Jesus did not. Jesus didn't go, oh, guess what? I don't need to pay it because I'm the son of God. But instead, what did he do? He, He, in essence, made a miracle happen to be able to pay the tax that was due. Jesus lived in obedience to God's word instead of redefining it to fit his perspective and his lifestyle. Jesus paid what he owed, owed. He didn't reason away his calling to build and maintain the local congregation. I want you to hear that because I think a lot of us, when again, you know, this is really quiet. Like we're being serious here today. You know, like I'm, I'm saying fighting words today, but Jesus did not eliminate the Old Testament and what it teaches on giving. That's what we see in this story. Now, the very next scripture that I want to read is Matthew 21, verse 12. Please open to that if you have your Bible, if you have your app, it's worth reading along. But in verse 12, it says, Jesus entered the temple courts and he drove all who were buying and selling there." He drove out all who were buying and selling there and he overturned the tables of the money changers and benches of those selling doves. And then he said this, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And some of you are like, Andy, where are you going with this? There's two things that I want to teach you. I want you to see and, and, and pull out of this scripture. When Jesus entered the temple, Jesus turned the tables at the temple to reveal the purpose of the local church, the local congregation. Jesus came into, came into the, 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 con- the local congregation to go ahead and reveal to the temple and those that were working that the people that are, are supposed to be in this space, the people who are actually supposed to be receiving something are actually the blind, the lame, and the children, and the marginalized of the society. That Jesus, after he turns the tables, he invites the blind, he invites the lame, and they came in the temple, and Jesus began to heal them. See, what happened in that system was this. There was a number of people that got in the way of the blind and the lame and the marginalized within that society for their ability. They got in the way of their ability to go ahead and worship God. And Jesus, he turns the tables on them, and he, he, in essence, wants to redefine what the temple is being used for at that very moment. And that purpose of the local church is this. The local church was, or that local faith community, that temple was created for your profit. It was created for the profit of the blind, the lame, the needy, the children, and the marginalized of the society. Let us never forget that the local church is for those that are in need. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And the last time I checked, we're all in need. Amen. We're all in need of something. But the second reason Jesus, or the second, I think, purpose that Jesus kind of wants to reveal within this scripture of the local church is this, is Jesus turned the tables to reveal your participation within the local church. Jesus turned the tables to reveal the purpose of a local church. But Jesus also turned the table to reveal your participation in the local church and the participation of the church. You need to understand the local church is, just, is not just for your profit. Now, let me just say that again. Jesus came into the temple for two reasons, to reveal the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is for your profit. But Jesus turns the tables to reveal that it's not just for your profit. You all catching what I'm trying to say here? Jesus came in here because guess came into the local congregation, the temple, because he understood that it's easy for us to start attending that local congregation, that local church, the, the temple, the synagogue, and all the things that are happening and just grow. Uh, and, and so we can so easily grow a custom of receiving and profiting from it. And he realized from time to time we need to come into our temple, into our church, into our congregation, into our finances, into our life and flip the tables because we have taken it for our profit and forgot it, that we're supposed to be a part of that and the giving of it. See, Jesus's righteous anger was pointed towards those who sat at the temple, who consistently gained more than they gave away. And 20 years of ministry, if they've taught me anything, there's many people, not you, it's not you, okay? There's many people who view church as a product and forget that they're not called to just attend church, but they're called to be the church. What I'm concerned about the modern day culture, again, this isn't for you. We're all perfect. We're all good, right? Is that we come into church with a consumerist kind of attitude because we live within a consumerist culture and that begins to trick us to become consumers within church instead of investors. Jesus was a consumer, but yet Jesus was an investor. And if you look at the story, Jesus, when he was young, he sat at the temple, he sat at the synagogue, his local uh, congregation, and they fed into him. But at some point, he walked away from the consumption of what that local congregation had for them and became the investor of that congregation, so much so that he eventually gave his his life for it. Jesus wants to overturn your tables. <laughs> That's my awkward laugh because you guys are so quiet today. <sighs> Jesus wants to overturn your tab- tables. But many of us, when we hear the story of Jesus coming into the temple and overturning the tables and sending out the money changers, we're like, man, we, are, we don't relate to that. We're, you know, besides Christy Cass, no one else is selling merch in the church. But no, but for real, some people will use this scripture as a weapon and they weaponize the selling of baked goods and merch and thinking that that is what Jesus is trying to say. But what I believe Jesus is trying to say to us is that Jesus wants to reveal to you that you are the temple and that you are the money changers. And you're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, you surely know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you and is a gift from God and you are no longer your own. Yes, I believe in the local church and and the local building and, and what it provides for us to go ahead and present the gospel. But let us not forget that the actual temple that's walking around every day is you. And guess what? The I don't know the last time you looked in the mirror and realized that you're a money changer. Money comes in and money goes. Money comes in and money change or and goes. And I want to tell you today what Jesus wants to do in your life is this: is overturn your tables. The question is this: is will we allow Jesus full access, or will, will we give Jesus full access to your finances and how your money changing? Scott's getting uncomfortable right here, right in the front row. That Enneagram nine is going, ooh, Andy. It's a difficult message because if you're anything like me, you have what you have and you just grow accustomed to it. And then what happens is is when I talk about the formative test, it reveals your ruts, it reveals what you kind of just live in, and, and it begins to reveal some of your hangups. And what I want to do today is step into this intentional discussion of going, Jesus, you know what, if you're gonna enter into my temple, into, into my finances, and you're gonna overturn it, what would you reveal? what could i be what should i be and and, and and so i got to thinking about how we're containers and 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 i was thinking about how this is just representative of everything we have this is this is what we have and and some of us in this room we come into this space and we don't have a lot of money but we have a lot of time but there's many of us well there's most of us we have money and so depending on how you want to view this illustration, money or time, that's, that's your prerogative. But many of us, we have what we have. Some of us, we have a fixed income. Some of us don't. But for the most part, on a monthly basis, we have what God has given us and what God has provided And if you go ahead and Google how do Americans spend their money, what we find out is 68% of everything we have goes to housing, transportation, and food. Can I hear an amen? Does anybody like food in the house? Does anybody want to confess that maybe more, a certain level of percentage goes a little bit more to food than it should? What we do is 68% of what we have on a monthly basis goes to transportation. It goes to our house. And it goes to our food. That leaves 38% subject to our decisions. But some of us responsible people, we have to invest some of our retirement Right? Any any responsible people in the room here? Yeah. And then we have insurance. That stinks. Some of us we've got debt. Anybody got debt in the house? And then there's interest on that debt. Oof. And then I was reading an article today uh, or this week. It said the average American spends $18,000 per year on non-essentials. Let me address some of those non-essentials. Coffee. <laughs> if you're Christy. If you're anything like me, I go to Costco, and some of you are like, well, that's essential. No, because everything I buy there is a snack or like a dessert. You know, I'm kidding we got the gym, right? Gyms are important, but maybe not an essential. You know, who are they? I'm not debating whether it's essential or not. How about this? Impulse purchases. The, rest of it. <laughs> the Nike app on your phone. <laughs> For those that aren't married to a hairstylist, personal grooming. How about this? Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, the third tier because you're sick of commercials. <laughs> Amazon Prime. <laughs> and at the end of the day, what we have, we've given away. What I want to tell you today that you, is this. Is if you give less, or if you give less last, last, if you give last, you'll always give less. What I find absolutely fascinating is this is when it comes to the scripture that we've read, is God challenges us with a perspective. He challenges us to be faithful with what he asks back. And many of us, we we see it as optional. Many of us see it as if at the end of the month it works, then we will. But I want to challenge every single one of us instead of just giving the last few seeds to God if we would consider giving to God first. Because one thing I've learned in life is this, is you can't give what you've already given away. You you can't give what you don't have. And as I was writing this message and as I was preparing it, I I actually was thinking about my own finances and and my uh, commitment to giving, my commitment to giving in to and also through Echo Church. I started thinking about how everything is just so automatic this day. That's so easy to forget what you're giving And I just kind of want to make a moment towards the end of the service. And, and I don't mean to guilt anybody if that's how you feel today, that you, you can go home and chew on this uh, with, with God. You can go ahead and listen to other pastors or other theologians and have them discuss um, the tithe or giving to God or whatever you want. But, but I just sense for the, the majority of us, we need to allow Jesus to step into our life and turn the tables of our temple over our finances and reveal to us that money is actually a hard issue. That how we manage our time, how we invest our time is actually a hard a heart issue. And what I wanna do is just allow the Holy Spirit to begin to rearrange me. I want the Lord to begin to, Rearrange my heart. I want God to rearrange my time. I want God to to encourage me to rearrange my investments around me. Some of you are like, "Well, you, you talked about the tithe. You, you convicted us, or you made me feel bad today. You know, what could I do to 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 kind of turn the tides?" I think one of the biggest issues. Of today's society is, is that that some of us we, we actually God we actually, let me say it like this some of us do give God first. On the flip side, we've just grown accustomed to just buying whatever we want to buy and putting it on a card. And I kind of want to address this, you know, our, our reality within the church and, and that some of us, we can't give what, what we want to give because we've already given it away. And I just want to go ahead and if, if, if you're going to redefine your generosity, if you're going to allow God to rearrange your finances and how you manage it within your home or within your life, then, then we've got to do three things. Number one, we've got to deal with the debt that we have. We've got to deal with the debt we have. I believe debt is what clogs our ability to be the vessel of generosity that God has built us to be and created us to be. Like I said, Jesus doesn't, like he doesn't want the temple just to be for your profit, but for the profit of others. And some of us, we just simply can't give because we are so in debt. And some of you just need to begin to deal with that debt. You need to look at it and come up with a plan. How about this? The second group of us, or maybe even beyond if we get past the dealing with the debt, some of us, we need to just spend a little bit more intentionally. Some of us, we need to begin to learn and understand how to live underneath our means. We need to go ahead and go, okay, Lord, what and how should I spend and how intentional should I be? Create a budget and live within it. And then the third thing, if we want to rearrange, we want to redefine our generosity, I truly believe that God has called us to give what is his back to him first. And today I I, I always want to, challenge every single one of us, no matter where we are in the faith, faith journey. This is a very Christian message, by the way. If you came in here and you feel far from God, uh, man, just hang out. We don't talk about money a lot, uh, but, but, uh, but God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Yes. For those that call yourself followers of Christ, I, I would just ask that you would consider giving God first and, 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 and just a teaching that I've heard uh, uh, another pastor friend of mine teach, his name is Rob Ketterling up at River Valley. I think he teaches it very well. He challenges his church with this, is, is begin today by taking a first step. And that first step for some of you will be giving God your 10%. And I think auto giving is awesome, but when was the last time that you checked to see if you actually are bringing your full tithe? If you're actually giving 10%, Percent or and let me just say it like this: Are we just okay with giving God the bare minimum? Because the perspective is that's what God deserves. How about this? Uh, For some of us, we—if you want to take a next step in your giving and in generosity—is take a next step. And I, I believe this: it's it's where we begin to test God with our finances say, God, if I want to give a little bit more, like, man, I'm, you said, test me. And I'm just going ahead and I'm going to go out and throw this out towards you. And I'm going to live in that generosity. And I'm going to see how you show up. That's the next step. And I think there are some individuals in here, man, God has given you the gift of giving. And some of you, you, you may want the gift of giving and, and that's okay too. But, but I, I just wonder if for some of you, there's a big step for you to take. And some of you, and, and some of you have talked to you about this a little bit, but I believe that God has given you and wants to give you a dream to live generously with goals that are bigger than your budget, bigger than your income, bigger than your capacity. And only by the means of God intervening will that dream come true. And I just want to throw that out, man. If some of you are like, man, how do I do it? Where do I start? There's a first step, there's a next step, and there's a big step. And I just wonder if we would allow Jesus to step into our scenarios, into our finances, and allow him to just kind of rearrange. In fact, Jesus, today, as I invite uh, the band to come up here, and as we take a moment to press into your presence, Lord, I just ask that, God, you would begin to reveal some of those changes within our heart that need to happen. Yet I don't want some people to miss this, that this is just about money, that this is just about our finances. I, I don't want people to think that God, you're just wanting <laughs> this is this is a, a catch. Uh, It's just a catch thing where you you just want their money, but but God, truly, I believe that you want their heart. and, And God, how we spend our money, how we spend our time is a response to how you have our heart. And today, God, I just ask that you would just go ahead and reveal some areas to clean up within this temple that we would no longer look at scripture uh, and, and the mention of you stepping into the temple as just relevant for those money changers, but you would reveal that we are all money changers and that you desire to enter into this temple and rearrange and redefine the generosity that you desire for this vessel, this conduit, this container of the blessing that you have given to us. And God, if we've received, I pray pray that we would learn to respond faithful and faithfully to the call that you have in us to be people that give more than we take. In Jesus' name no matter if you're sitting down or it depends on, or it doesn't matter if you just stay seated. Some of you might wanna play, find a place in this church. So a few people will come up here for prayer as well. But I just wanna take this next song and, and, and I just want to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak uh, to you and begin to really continue the work that he's already begun and, and really speak to you directly uh, in this area here just for the next moment.
5: You're
6: God, thank you for an opportunity to hear a tough message. And God, thank you for leaders that are willing to bring the tough message to us. God, we love you and we give you the praise for what you're doing in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. How we do something every week? We say a prayer together. And I wanna give a little encouragement before we say the prayer this time, which is don't let the culture get in the way of what god has for you today and what i mean by that is man money is a that's i mean that's right to the heart of us as americans if we're totally honest right i mean it's probably the rest of the world too but i can just speak to us it's right at the heart and i just think as we say this prayer of surrender for those of you that don't know jesus this is the opportunity to take that step and for those of you that do surrender includes our finances Let's use this as an opportunity to be reminded that God cares about every detail in our lives as we say this together. Let's do it. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Let's celebrate those that said the prayer for the first time. Come on. There's another group of people we want to celebrate, those that set foot in echo for the very first time today. What's up? We're so glad you're here. Can I say something like, I don't know about you guys, but devotion sometimes, like for a lot of my walk with Jesus was super boring, but then I would read stories about Jesus telling Peter to throw a line in the water and catch a fish to pay the taxes. I'm like, what's up? And then Jesus starts flipping over tables and doing crazy stuff. Like, Jesus is rad. I'm just saying. Like, it's a those that's that's, like two of my favorite stories in one message. Echo, you guys continue to be an incredibly generous church. Just all there is to it. And we are so proud of what we get to do here. There's a couple...